1: turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. Sounded like everyone had a good time of greeting and fellowship as we entered in this morning. Tell somebody near you Merry Christmas. I truly cringe and hate when I walk into a store and somebody says, have a happy holiday. Sorry, that was my Not a good way to start my lesson, bro, Steve. You have a happy holiday. I'm going to have a Merry Christmas. Amen? We're going to look at the Christmas story this morning, and uh, I'm already running out of time. I have 75,000 pages of notes and 4 million thoughts going through my head, but I do feel like God has given me some direction this morning. Matthew chapter 1, beginning reading in verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother, Mary, was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Don't you just love how that's written? She was just found with child. How many of you ladies were ever just found with a child? Right? <laughs> That sounds incriminating, doesn't it? I found you with a child. I'm just saying. I I don't know. So I told you I had a million thoughts going on in my mind. It just doesn't sound right to me. I'm just sorry. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, thank you, Joseph, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now, all this was done. do not you like the nows when they come in? Now. Just listen, Joseph. Okay, if that's not enough for you, now. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophets, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, And shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. I I love the Christmas story. And Probably don't spend enough time. We probably don't spend enough time. Uh, certainly this year has been a different year. I look forward every year to pastors. Uh, he does some tremendous preaching on the Christmas theme every year. And, uh, and so I think a lot of attention is given to Mary, the mother of Jesus in the Christmas story. And I, and I think that's proper. I think that's right. Uh, and, but, but Matthew, um, he writes that the angel appears to Joseph in a dream. And so what he's doing here is he's making Joseph an integral part of this unfolding story of the birth of the Messiah. And so one of the things that I particularly like about Joseph's story is that it speaks to me. It speaks to, it speaks to us as humanity about who we are. And so while we talk a lot about Mary and all that Mary went through, we need to maybe look at Joseph a little bit because I feel like sometimes I can relate better to Joseph than to Mary. Now, I'm not confused. I don't have a gender issue, okay? I really just feel like from the perspective of what they went through, I think for humanity, we can, we can relate with Joseph a lot more than we can with Mary because, like I said, how many of you were just found with child? i have still not seeing any hands. Oh, there she is. You were just found. Okay, Bo, we're going to have a talk after church, okay? If you didn't, if the angel didn't come in a dream, we're going to have a problem there. I'm just saying, I'm just, you know, some marriage counseling, y'all need to call the office and set up a time with pastor because I'm not getting in the middle of that one at all. And so we talk a lot about what Mary went through, but I I relate with Joseph because Joseph is a young man who seemingly from the perspective that we don't think about a lot, Joseph loses everything in one moment, one moment of time. If you didn't already know the end of the story, you might think that, you know, that Joseph had this really famous great, great, great uncle by the name of Job. You would, you would somehow think that they were related, that Job had to be Joseph's uncle because this just doesn't happen to anybody. And so when, when you put it in the perspective, Joseph loses every single plan he's made in a moment of time, everything that Joseph has dreamed about is gone in a moment of time. And so, if you didn't know this, I'm going to tell you this because I have it on good authority because I just figured it out all by myself. Joseph was a planner. No idea if it's true or not, but Joseph was a planner. And so poor old Joe, he's got a one-year plan. He's got a five-year plan. Joseph even has a 10-year-old plan. And so he and Mary, they've spent, all the, they've spent hours and hours of time on Facebook talking about their plans. One-year plan. I'm going to marry that beautiful girl named Mary. Joseph is going to start a family. That's his one-year plan. Joseph's got a five-year plan. I'm going to build my brand. Joseph and sons carpentry. I can see the hashtag going, put the Amish out of business. I mean, this is really going to be something, right? And so if you didn't know that, Joseph's got a 10-year plan. I'm going to expand my business. I'm going to go into other towns and other cities. It's going to be Joseph's and son. We're going to have to put advertisements on TV and the internet. My goodness. I mean, we're going to pay for, it's going to be, you know, the national championship game. We're going to, One of the great advertisements is going to be Joseph's and son's carpentry. You're going to want to buy his stuff. But in a single moment of time, we talk about Mary and all that happened to Mary, but what about poor old Joe? You know, in a single moment of time, his life literally blows up. You know, Mary is pregnant. Scandal, turmoil, stress, anxiety, anger, the whole list, the whole gamut. You know what would happen, right? We know what are people going to say? What are people going to think? I can never go back to that synagogue. It looks like we're going to have to change churches again. That's some perspective for you, isn't it? I mean, my goodness, right? You know, something happens, people change churches. Why? Because people know that something happened. And suddenly, here's Joseph, the planner. The list comes out. Wedding plans, off. Family, scratch the family. Joseph's and son's carpentry business, this is on the ropes. We've got to replan this. And so just like this, all the dreams of this fine young man are just a crumbled piece of paper, no longer holding any value, literally not worth the paper or the parchment that they were written on. I want to give you some perspective just for a moment. What do you think Joseph is feeling at that moment? Anger, fear, betrayal, confusion. Certainly Joseph was hurt. I mean, without a doubt, he felt all alone because at this point, nobody can make the decision for Joseph but Joseph. He can, you know, he can ask everybody, he can get opinions, but the truth is, the reality is you know that in that moment, you're the only one who can make that decision. And so I'm sure that Joseph felt wounded. He probably even felt guilty. He probably even thought, you know what? I, I, I must have done something wrong. Lord, what did I do wrong? How, why did this happen to me? I mean, the transparent thing is, come on, man, come on, men. You relate with me. Women, you can relate as well. If your girlfriend, right, shows up and she tells you she's pregnant and you're, you're pretty positive it's not yours, you know, you know. Can't be mine. How do you know? I'm certain of that. (laughs) He knew her not. Okay? There's some connotation there. Your parents can explain it to you if you don't know what that means yet. But paternity testing was not an option. You know? I I mean, I I don't see that happening, right? You know, yep, yep, yep. The doctor confirmed it. It's a God thing. (laughs) I went down, I got a DNA test, and it said, yeah, it's of God. What? What? That's the reality of the situation that this guy was in. I mean, come on, really. I mean, you you think about it. We poor Mary and all, and we're gonna talk about all that junk that Mary went through, but what about Joe? I mean, this guy, man, I mean, you know, oh, Mary, oh, oh my goodness, Mary, Mary, Mary. What about the dude? I mean, you know, he's just having a dream. He's having a bad day, his whole life falls apart, but the reality is this, is that life is hard. The truth is it takes one moment, the unexpected, the unplanned, that event, those things that just add up, the daily pressures that compound, the normal twist and turn in faith, those ongoing trials that leave us feeling just like Joseph felt. And sometimes (laughs) it's your own fault. Sometimes it's not an angel showing up in your dream you wish it was. Sometimes, Brother Steve, it's something you did your own self. Anybody ever read they ever read what God said to Adam in, in Genesis chapter three, verse 17? God says to Adam, he says, "You know what? He said, "Cursed is the ground because of you, because you listen to the voice of the woman. It's because of you, Adam. Uh, hello. You know, that blame game that started earlier in the chapter three, God turns that around and goes, you know, whose fault it is, Joe? It's yours. I'm sorry, Adam. It's your fault. And sometimes whatever happens, the reality is it's our fault. We are the ones that created it. And so we live in a fallen world and life is hard. Now, isn't this turning into a depressing lesson already? I'm going to work to fix that. But the the reality is that life is hard, but God is always good. In this world, negativity seems to breed negativity. A bad circumstance seems to turn into a bad circumstance, right? And that negativity upon negativity upon negativity, and you're just waiting for something, right, good to happen. And the reality in our humanity, we're just, sometimes you get to the point where you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop. And it feels like we got a 10-footed giant because there's been nine shoes that have been dropped on us, and none of them are, are making us happy. And all of a sudden, you're waiting on that last shoe to just fall. And, and the reality is this. We understand this. It's called that snowball effect. That things, bad things turn into worse things, which turn into worse things. And we're like, man, can I get a break? And, and so I, I can imagine what poor Joseph's going through. But here's what I want to tell somebody this morning. When God is involved. Somehow, somewhere, some way, no matter how bad it looks, there's always going to be light at the end of the tunnel. But here's poor Joseph, one restless night, one night of sleep, dealing with what transpired here, right in the middle of the best pizza-inspired dream he's ever had, and the angel of the Lord shows up and drops this bomb. What's that 2020 thing? We dropped the mic. The angel of the Lord just rolls into Joseph's dream. You know, he's dreaming about camels and carpentry or whatever Joseph dreams about. And the angel shows up and says, Behold thou son of David. Hello? Who? What? I'm having a bad day. Why don't you find somebody else to pick on, right? And so this... In the middle of Joseph's well-planned life, the angel of disruption, you know, there's lots of angels, right? I've coined some this morning, the angels of disruption, just drops this promise of Christmas right in the middle of Joseph's difficult life. He says to Joseph, he says, don't be scared. Just go ahead and marry that that girl. It's a a God thing. Now, I, I, I put myself in Joseph's shoes. Don't be scared, Joseph. Just go ahead and marry her. It's a God thing. Okay. Uh, but. Um, um uh, hey Angel, I know this is my dream, and I know that Pete's is talking to me, but um no no. There seems, there's no conversation here. The angel shows up and says, don't be scared. Just go ahead and marry the girl. It's a God thing. And, and the skeptic in me comes out and goes, um, uh, just one moment. Just, just, just consider this for a second. You know, if I was a mentor in Joseph's life, I would tell him that timing with God is always critical when it comes to promises. Can you imagine your life? You've got it all planned out, X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z, Z, A, B, C, D, J, K, all of it, and an angel comes up and he goes, no, no, that's not how it's going to work. That girl that you're going to marry, she's already pregnant, and it's not, it's not a human thing, it's a God thing. I, I already distraught by the news that my fiance is pregnant, and I'm sure it's not mine. And now the angel says, it's a God thing. Now, in my humanity, I'm going to start struggling with that. I'm like, wait, okay, okay, hold on, hold on. Uh, All right, it's a God thing at face value. How do I know it's a God thing? Well, I'm an angel. Uh, Okay, again, pizza, dream, camel, carpentry, angel. These One, two, seven, eight, six, four. It's not adding up for me and I don't get it. And so there's some things that we need to remember when it comes to the promise of God. Is this, the first one is this, God has a timetable for everything. Can I tell you that God's timetable and your timetable God's not on your calendar, right? And and, and so the second thing is that God does not tell us the details in advance. Now, there's this continual conversation in the Roberts household, and it's gotten to the point now after almost 36 years, well, I will say, honey, man, details, headlines, because I deal in headlines, Men, we like to deal Man, if you deal in details, check, your, check check. get your car back out, we'll get that thing punched again. Men deal in headlines. Women, they want to know details. So-and-so's car So-and-so had a car wreck. Oh my God. Were they hurt? I don't know. You didn't ask? No, I didn't ask. I was told they had a car wreck. It was just a car wreck. Were they injured? Are they in the hospital? Did somebody die? Who did it? Well, I, my wife, anytime I tell her something, there's a thousand, men. come on, be honest. I know I'm not trying to upset families on Christmas. Raise your hand. Be honest. A thousand questions. I'm like, baby, I don't know. Why didn't you ask? Because I didn't think about it. I was okay with the fact there was a car accident. I don't care. And all the, I look at all the couples, you are going, yeah, absolutely. That's right. My wife got more questions than I could ever have answers for. And I just simply look at it and go, honey, man, Headlines details. I don't know. I didn't ask, didn't think to ask, but you got to understand God does not, God's like a man. He's not like a woman. God does not tell us the details in advance. Thank you, Lord. Please tell my wife that for me, Jesus. Okay, I already did. All right, good. The third thing, God is never in a hurry, but he's never late. details. The truth is when we start talking about God's promises or God's timing, they're never convenient. How many of you like convenient things? I'm a man of convenience, right? And, And so God's plan for your life is always good and his timing is always great, but it's seldom convenient. But I know this also that God's plan for your life is beneficial to you. But I'm gonna, I'm, I'm trying to help somebody at Christmas time. It's not always painless, and I can assure you that if you're in the will of God and in the plan of God, it will not be easy. And so we talk at Christmas time about Mary and all that she went through. Now, I, again, I, I spent some time sitting in a chair with granddaughters crawling all over me. Just kind of thinking about this, how awkward was that conversation with Mary and her parents? Mom, Dad, (laughs) I had a miracle in my life. You did? That big growth on the back of your neck, is it gone? No, not that. Were you healed of that? No, not that. Whoa, did you get a lot of money? No, it wasn't that. What is it? I'm pregnant. You're what? Come on. How many parents? Do what? Uh, no, 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 no. It, it, mom, no, no, don't, don't, don't. Back. Okay? She's backing away because parents can be handy at times. Just saying, I've heard. And, and right? And it, it's a miracle. I, I, I'm, still a, I'm still a virgin. You're still a what? That's what the Bible says. Can you imagine having that conversation with your parents and then with your fiance? Hey, Joe, baby. (laughs) I got something to tell you. You ain't going to like it. This could be a problem. How many of you would just blurt it out? Uh -uh. Uh-uh. Come on. This, this, is, this is ridiculous, right? Can you imagine the awkwardness of this? This is crazy, right? I bet that was a fun conversation. And then right in the middle of this, so we're talking about Mary's conversation, Joseph's ruined life. In the middle of this, Caesar decides to call a census and tax everybody and tells everybody they got to return to the town where they were born. Now, I thought, okay, that's good. Let's do that in America. The government said, you got to go back to the city in which you were born On this particular day, can you say chaos, right? I mean, every plane, every train, every automobile would be booked. Every highway would be full. It would just be utter chaos. And I'm sure it was like that. And so this meant that a very, 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 very pregnant young lady had to get on a donkey. She didn't get an Escalade. She didn't get a Cadillac. There wasn't even an old rickety Ford out there. There was no Toyota, right? She, you know, she got up on a donkey to travel to Bethlehem just days before she was going to have her first baby. Now we got past all the awkward conversation, mom and dad. Joseph went ahead and married me, even though I'm sure that went really well. Okay? A private ceremony somewhere to hide the fact that Mary's. Really pregnant, right? And and so now not only that, she's not she's got to go to Bethlehem, she right? She's riding a donkey, but they're gonna have a baby in a barn. Any grandmas in the house? Oh no, not my baby. had No baby in a barn. Come on, moms, be, be honest, right? No, and no 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 families can be with her, no doctors can be with her, no nurses can be with her, just a bunch of animals. And we're putting this in perspective. And so the timing could have, their timing would have been much different. Uh, you know, Mary and Joseph would have never, that, that would never have been their timing. But the Bible says that Jesus would have to be born in Bethlehem. So this is what God orchestrated. I, I'm talking about timing. And we're going to get to some good things here in a minute. I'm talking about, and so 2020 has not been a very convenient year for many of us. Can I get an amen? Just give me an arm um, if you can't give me an amen. But it's been a year that none of us could imagine global pandemics, closed businesses, closed schools, working from home, closed churches, the list goes on and on. And I am certain, as I stand here this morning, that 2021 is going to have its share of inconvenience as well. And so what we need to remember is that God has a plan for our lives. And so the promise of God, that right in the middle of this craziness, that angel drops in the promise, the reminder that God is still in control, in the middle of all. You know, thou son of David, don't, don't you worry, don't have no fear. But look at verse 22 of chapter 1. Now all of this took place. This is crazy when I began to look at this. All of this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Now the angel in the middle of this dream that destroys your entire life starts quoting scripture to you. Okay. This is turning into a really bad day. Can I, does anybody relate to that? You know, you're, you're just going through hell on earth, you know, everything in the world's going, and somebody wants to tell you what the Bible says. I'm trying to be real here this morning. I know what the Bible says, but I still want to kill them dead and burn their bodies, twice, because this is upsetting. This is not how this is supposed to work. This is not in my plan. I had this figured out. Now, that's a garbled up mess of nothing, right? And said, so this virgin is going to be with child, and she shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Now, listen, Joseph, this, this isn't the pizza. This baby, he's the fulfillment of prophecy, and you're going to call his name Jesus, but they shall call his name Emmanuel, And then the Bible does something that the Bible doesn't do anywhere else. Look at what it says, which being interpreted God with us. Listen, I, I wanna tell you, this. you need to understand this, I find no other place in scripture where the Bible feels the need to translate or interpret what it says. There's no other place in scripture. The Bible doesn't generally explain itself. It's the word of God, and it doesn't generally give you an an explanation. And so the Bible is going to interpret, it's going to explain what God with us means. He said, I want you to make make sure that you get an understanding, whether it's going to come out in the Hebrew or the Greek or the English or the Spanish, it's all the same. That Emmanuel means God with us. Those are three short words, three little simple words that are filled with promise. We need to understand that that no matter how bad your day is, no matter what's going on, you need to understand, Joseph, that this thing was of God. And you need to get this in your mind that they're going to call him Emmanuel, God with us. This is the promise that we celebrate at Christmas every year. And we need to remember on this 20th day of December that the almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth, the giver of life, the one who can do anything, it was that God that robed himself in flesh and came to this earth to live with us. We know that as the people of God, we can depend upon the promise of God. We can live our lives. We can build our lives upon the promises of God. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, For all the promises of God are in him, yea, and in him, amen, under the glory of God by us. But the King James Version Kind of, it kind of opens that up a little bit. He says, all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Now, I, 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 I kind of like the King James Version, by us. That means I've got a, a voice in it, right? If, I, if it's by me, okay, you know, I'm kinda, I've, got, I've got a say in it, but if when it's through us, that puts a different connotation in the promises of God. He said there's a promise of God for your life. And, 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 and if we're not careful, it's not a by us promise, it's a through us promise. And so that promise is going to bring something into your life that you may or may not like. I'm telling you, it could be an inconvenience. What this young couple dealt with, what this young couple went through just to see the fulfillment of the promise of God was an enormous undertaking. And we can say, oh yeah, it's a great Christmas story. And we can read, oh, don't be, don't be scared, Joseph, just go ahead. But Joseph is looking at his life being turned upside down. And Mary's going, you know, I, I, I was ex- I was excited when the angel said, hey, you're going to have a baby, but I never dreamed of donkey trips and I never dreamed of barns and I never dreamed of not having my family with me or, or all of the stuff that went with I didn't dream that I'd have to take my baby and run, and I didn't sign up for all of that. And sometimes, as the people of God, we can get into situations and circumstances, and we can say, wait a minute, God, I didn't sign up for this. This is not what I agreed to. This is not what I thought. But you've got to understand that the promise of God is not by you. Sometimes it's going to come through you. And that's a different connotation. That's a difficult part because God is going to use you to fulfill his promise. And that's how he gets the glory. That's the rubber meeting the road. That's where the friction begins. But specifically, I want to spend the the, the last few minutes of our time this morning talking about three promises that are a direct result of Emmanuel. The first one is this, a promise that you are never alone. He said, he is Emmanuel, God with us. And you've got to get some understanding from this point in history, God has always kind of sort of been a remote God, somewhat removed from the affairs of men, always watching, always intervening, but always separated from his creation, always removed away because of sin and because of its consequences. But this message, this Emmanuel, this God with us, that's why it's good news of great joy. Because this one moment in time, this fulfillment of this great prophecy would change the relationship between God and humanity forever. This really is the miracle of Christmas. Not that a baby was born, but that God came to live among us. That God came to live with us as humanity. This was his original design. This is what he wanted from the garden. But when sin was introduced into the world, God was by, by force separated from humanity. And God said, I'm not going to be satisfied with that, but I'm going to have a prophecy and I'm going to fulfill a prophecy and I'm going to come in flesh and I'm going to make a sacrifice so that I can be with my creation. Now I know, y'all, know, y'all got to know that some people aggravate me. Tree huggers are at the top of my list. I, I'm, Jesus, have mercy on tree huggers. And after I kill them, can you save them? Bring them back to life. Do something great in their life. You want to hug a tree, man? Get your arms out. Get a piece of chalk. See if you can reach around. I don't. Do, do your thing, man. But leave me alone. I don't want to hug a tree. I'm not interested in it. God didn't come to save the trees. I, I don't want to. I don't. I don't want. I don't. You know. I don't want to be mean, but God didn't come to save the puppies or the whales. He didn't come I know, poor puppies, God, puppies, you know I I knew a good church going lady that said her mama used to take kittens and drown them in a bowl of water. Jesus, have mercy. She went to church and prayed in tongues every week. I don't know. She had a farm with lots of thousands and of thousands of, 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 of cats, and they couldn't control them all. And so mom would just take those little baby kittens and just See how offended you are? I'm that offended when you want me to hug a tree. I don't God didn't come to save all that stuff. He came to be with humanity. He came to save the souls of humanity. That's, all, that's the purpose. That's the point. And so this all could have happened. That, that quiet night in Bethlehem, the shepherds were sleeping. The skies were bright and the stars and we sing all the songs. But what would have happened if the, the skies exploded and they were ripped apart and Jesus burst out of the clouds in glory? A full-grown Jesus with a sword on a white horse, right? The angels blowing trumpets and celebration of Jesus at the head of an invading army, destroying iniquity. Wow, that's cool, isn't it? That's what they expected, but instead he came in the form of simple human flesh. No fanfare, no frills, no choir was singing, just a little baby born in a quiet stable. God with us. Here's what the writer in Hebrews said in Hebrews 13 and 5. Let your conversation, let your lifestyle be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have that'll preach right there. But notice the next part, for he hath said, I, this is the promise. When God says it, it's a promise. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You know what God's saying? God said, you know why why I'm Emmanuel, why I'm God with you? Because I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. That's a promise from God. I'm not ever going to let you alone. I'm going to be with you. You will never be alone. What does that mean, Brother Roberts? It means you're not going to have to fight alone. It means you're not in this thing alone. It means you don't have to cry alone. You don't have to suffer alone. You don't have to face the circumstance of life alone because God is with us. It's that simple. You're you're oversimplifying. No, 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 I'm not. Listen, Jesus said in this world, you're going to have tribulation, but fear not, I have overcome the world. This is the one that's overcome the world, God with us. The Greek word for Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit is the paraclete, the one that comes, the comforter, the one that comes alongside. No matter what you're going through, God is with us. I want to encourage somebody. Your life could be turned upside down. You're stuck on the kittens. Get over the kittens. Move on. God is with us. Poor Sister Staten's like, I heard another thing he said. I didn't kill the kittens. I've ruined Christmas for Sister Staten. Y'all stretch out a hand. Let's pray for her. Oh, Lord. I, by the, I wouldn't have the heart to kill kittens in a bowl of water. I wouldn't do it, but I'm still not hugging trees. We're good now. Okay. I can only imagine the comfort that this must have been for Joseph. God is, you know, God just drops his bomb in him. What? You know, Joseph's Joseph's a planner, so he tears up his plans. He shreds them all up. He's like, I got another plan. I'm going to put Mary away privately. I'm not going to kill her. I want to. I'd like to probably better for everybody if I did but he's a just man so he he's gonna take the high road but Jones he's gonna do it privately he's gonna just put her in a convent whatever they were gonna do back in the day get rid of her you know go find somebody else start my plan all over again you know parchment's expensive it's ridiculous it's getting you know but how much comfort is this when God says you know listen this is part of my plan this is what my prophecy is. And, and you got to, you got to grasp this. And so you got to understand, you need to understand that there is a comfort for the people of God, that no matter what you're going through, how heavy, how tough, how difficult, you've got, the, you've got the same promise. I know an angel hasn't appeared in your dreams, but I'm here this morning to tell you that God is with us. The Bible doesn't interpret anything else. It doesn't translate anything else. It was so important that God said, no matter what situation, no matter what the language, no matter what... The era, no matter what the time frame, you need to understand I am God with you. It's the greatest blessing that we will ever have just knowing that God is with us. How many of you know that you can go through anything if you know that God is with you, right? The Psalm, the 23rd Psalm, David understood this. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. David understood he could face anything, even death, because God was with him. And so, no, I'm going to tell you this morning, everything will not go the way that you want it to, or the way that you think it should, but you've got to understand that our comfort is the fact that God is with us. I would even go a step further. And I don't have time to get deep into it. But he looked at Joseph and he said, you shall call his name Jesus. Because why? Because he's a savior. Because that is, uh, we could go into the connotations, you know, Jehovah has become my salvation. He said, Joseph, this baby is going to save you. But he looked beyond Joseph and Israel and the Hebrew nation. And he said, they, and that they refers to the Gentile people. They are going to call him Emmanuel because they have never had God with them. They are always worshiping something other than God but they are listen Joseph this is bigger than you it's bigger than a nation it's bigger than what you can imagine those people that are going to come and live through a pandemic in 2020 they shall call his name Emmanuel what are you talking about brother Roberts you got to understand I am not alone yes there's a pandemic yes it's terrible yes there's negativity yes there's problems but I'm not alone I'm going to tell somebody this morning you are not alone it's the promise of God. The second promise is that you're loved by God. He's with us. I'm amazed, Pastor. I'm so amazed. I know we could talk about this for hours that how many people believe the lie of the enemy over the Word of God, time after time, situation after situation. God so loved the world that He gave. He didn't do it out of obligation, He didn't do it out of sympathy, He didn't do it out of guilt. He did it because he loved his creation. We have got to understand that love started it, love finished it. Paul wrote in the book of Romans chapter 8, verse, starting in verse 38, he said, I'm convinced, I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. What are you talking about? He said, listen, you've you, you got to understand this. God demonstrated his love. If you slip back a few chapters in Romans, Paul said God demonstrated his love that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He loves us. He still loves us. He's still on your side. And the enemy will walk up to you in the middle of your failure, in the middle of your tribulation, in the middle of your turmoil. And he'll say, God doesn't love you. But there's that poor Joseph. There's that poor young man in the middle of that pizza-induced dream, and the angel shows up and says, they shall call his name Emmanuel. Well, I don't know. If God loved me, he wouldn't let this happen. If God loved me, quit taking, quit. Listen, it's not circumstantial. God let them go through all the things that they went through to fulfill his promise because the promise is going to come through you, not by you. Paul said, I'm convinced, I'm persuaded that nothing... Let me give you some interpretation for nothing. You know how to define nothing? It's this simple, not one thing. There's nothing that's ever created, that ever will be, that can separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ. Those are some of the most beautiful words ever written. He talks about life and death, which are extremes, the ultimate changes that that affect our lives, right? He said those things cannot separate us from his love but we put our condition on it. Well, if God loved me, if God loved them, if God loves us, listen, that's not how God loves. He goes on, he says angels and principalities. He talks about the enemy and those demonic spirits. They can hinder our life. They can tempt us to our core. They can hound us. They can annoy us in countless ways, but they can never stop the outpouring of God's love into our lives. Three simple words. God with us. I can't imagine what that young man went through. I've tried to sit down and go, how disruptive could this have been in his life? And I know some people that are irritated with masks and pandemics and all this, and you're so frustrated, and I'm tired of this, I'm tired of this, I'm tired. What do you think Joseph was tired of? Joseph probably didn't sleep for two weeks, and he was scared an angel was going to show up and tell him something else. Oh, God. What do you do? I'm trying to stay awake, man. That guy is not the bearer of good news. We can focus on the negativity. You know, we can look at that and we can have some fun with it. But listen, there are things that are happening right now in our lives. And there are things that are going to come in our futures. But you need to understand that no matter what they are, whether they're height or their depth or whether they're principality or power, whether they create life or death, it doesn't matter. Not one thing can separate you from the love of God. God loved us so much that he came all the way from glory and become a little baby in a manger. It's not some cute bedtime story that we tell our children. We ought to tell them about Christmas all the time, but we got to tell them there's Emmanuel, God with us. God has come. Why? Because he loves us. I am not alone. I'm not going to go through this alone unless I choose to. But if I'm going to let God in on my my situation, he is going to love me through the situation, not by the situation, not for the situation, but through the situation. What are you talking about? I'm talking about no power, no distance, no influence can stop God from loving us. Well, you don't know what I did. No fault, no failure. Because why? Because we are the church of the living God. Our past has been redeemed. Our future is secure, right? It's it's all prepared in God because Emmanuel has come, God with us. The simplest of all messages that we could possibly ever understand the third and final promise that we have from Emmanuel, God with us, is that He brings hope into every situation. No matter how hopeless that situation is, there is hope in every situation, because when God is involved, nothing is hopeless. Right. Now I'm not I'm not a mathematician. I, I don't understand math. I was talking to a young kid the other day in Target, and I said, you know, um, the TV in our little TV room went out, and I was going to buy a small TV, and I was looking at the size of the TV, and I said, I said uh, so, so how wide is this TV? And he's like, well, you know, TV screens are, are measured diagonally, and I said, I looked at him, and I was patient, I said, I understand that. I said, I, I don't need to know the diagonal, I understand, I want to know how wide the actual body of the TV is. Well, if you, if you take the hypotenuse of the doohickey and you divide it by the square root of the thingamabob, and I said, you lost me at hypotenuse and thingamabob, and, and, and Brother Isaiah, I didn't charge him because dumb looks are still free. I just kind of give him one of these. All I want to know is how wide it is. But, you know, if, you, like, if I don't have a calculator right now, I don't need a calculator. And I, and I looked over and I said, look, it's right there on the tag. It says. And he goes, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, my dad would have slapped me in the back of the head for looking at him that way. He would have just cuffed me one time. I, I deserved it. But it was, it was a simple question. It didn't need all that. But I know this much about math, that there's one simple principle. Anything plus God equals hope. Uh, there are three people got it over here. The rest of y'all need to understand. Anything plus God equals hope. So, so no, 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 you no. Know, anything yeah. plus God equals hope. What are you talking about? I'm talking about you're never alone. I'm talking about you're always loved by God. Even if all your family and humanity walks away from you, you're loved by God. And nothing with God is ever hopeless. Nothing. There's no situation that's ever hopeless. Why? Because that's the simple math that I know. I can't put it in my checkbook. I can't explain it to the kid at Target. I don't understand. But I can tell you this much. Anything. No matter how negative, how, 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 how horrible, how, how ridiculous it may sound, anything plus God equals hope. And if we can grasp that, that's what Emmanuel is. Here's what Paul said to Timothy. Here's where some of the good people of God start missing this. I'm reading 1 Timothy 4, verse 10 from the New Living Translation. Paul says, this is why we work hard and continue to struggle. Somebody needs to hear this in the Holy Ghost this morning. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle for our hope is in the living God, who is the savior of all people, and in particularly the believers. I'm so amazed at the people of God who come to church and hear great messages of hope and great messages of faith, and some little something happens in their life, the refrigerator breaks down, they're like, oh God. Anything plus God equals hope, it's not a hopeless situation. Come on, Mom. Come on, Dad. That teenage daughter comes home, and she's pregnant, and it's not of the Holy Ghost. It's a bad situation, but it's not over. Why? Because God can still do something great from it. It's not proverbial. It's not what you wanted. It's It's not what she wanted. It's just what it is. But if you put God in the equation, it's going to be, because it's never hopeless with God. Well, I've got this disease. I've got this sickness. I'm fighting this. No, no, no. When you put God in the equation, the hopelessness has to leave because we build our lives upon the hope in Jesus Christ. I'm, lo- I'm, still, I'm still fighting, I'm still laboring, I'm still striving. Why? Because I built my hope on Jesus Christ. I'm telling somebody today, it's, it's just a few days before Christmas and uh, somebody in this room is going, oh my God, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? How, how are we gonna get through this? How's this gonna know anything? That kid pimples all over his face I mean, he had everything but the pocket protector. He was the he was the ultimate geek, and I'm sitting there looking at this kid in my head. Just kind of gave him the dumb looks, are free, you know? And I'm like, man, dude, I don't the hop the the square hoop, pod, Don't no, don't don't leave me alone, dude. Just tell me how wide it is. And he's like, what? Do you have a tape measure? No, no, no. I don't need a tape measure. I don't need to know how wide it is. I don't need to know how deep it is. If God's in it, there's hope in it. If God, come on, if God is for us, who can be against us? I'm talking to the people of God. I'm talking to somebody on a Sunday morning. It's Emmanuel. You've got to understand this, Joseph. God is in your situation. The story in Matthew chapter 19, Jesus is telling his disciples, he says, it's easier, I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into the kingdom of God. Now, I can see me, I'm kind of a practical guy. I'd get me a needle and go. <laughs> How big a camel? The hypotenuse of what? And the disciples look at Jesus in verse 25. They heard it. The Bible says they were exceedingly astonished. These were people who had seen miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And they said, who then can be saved? And Jesus looks at them and says, with men, this is just an impossibility. But with God, everything, all things are possible. I've got a word of encouragement for somebody. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know how bad it is. I can't even imagine how many times you've crumbled up your plans. I don't know. But with God, everything is possible. You are not alone. You are loved. And it is not a hopeless situation because God is in it. Still alive. Here's where people fail in hope. And I'm out of time. Real quickly. People just get... Talking about this, they just the enemy just begins to to deal with us in our hearts because these things, you know, in in the deepest pain, in your most hopeless circumstance, God has to be in there. Why? Because some people, even in this room, are thinking, they're thinking to themselves, How can you know, you you don't know what you're talking about? That's great for all those people, Brother Roberts, but what about me? They don't know what they're not going through, what I'm going through. They're not dealing with depression. They are not fighting cancer. Their spouse didn't walk on them. They didn't lose their job. They don't have too many bills. They don't have, they, they weren't facing Christmas with no presents. I'm telling you, no matter what kind of problem or struggle you're facing right now, no matter what season of darkness, I want to encourage somebody not to abandon hope because there are three simple principles of hope that we grasp as the people of God and the enemy wants to take them out of your mind. But hope is not based upon what you think or how you feel. Hope is always based upon the word of God. Why is it not hopeless? Because I've got a word of God. Why is it not? Why? That's why the angel started quoting to Joseph. Joseph didn't want to hear the word of God. Joseph didn't want to hear, now it is written. Joseph didn't want to hear, I'm going to fulfill my prophecy. Joseph wanted to know what you're going to do about my pregnant fiance. Don't give me that junk. I want to know what you're going to do. How come my, pre- my fiance's got to be pregnant? I don't want to deal with that. This is crazy. This don't make no sense to me. And I can get his anger and his frustration. And God said, no, 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 no. you got to understand. His name is going to be Jesus. He's going to be the Savior of not just your sins, but the whole world. And they, those people that you've never even dreamed of, never even thought about, they're going to say, he's Emmanuel. He's God with us. Because here's what the angel knew that Joseph didn't know. That that word, that word of God was going to become that little baby in a manger. He was going to become that flesh. And so that is you, what you got to understand is the promise comes from the Word and the Word was flesh. And That's why it's so hard for us sometimes because we don't get the answer that we want. But hope is built on the Word of God, the character of God, and the faithfulness of God. That's what it's built on. And here we are in the middle of all that's going on, and I can tell you, my 2020 hasn't been as bad as one day in Joseph's life. Hasn't been. I haven't. My wife, I know, it's been a few years since we had babies, but she didn't ride no camels. I'm sorry. We weren't in a barn. We weren't. You know, we didn't have babies in a barn. But what if we did? I, I Understand, my hope is not built upon what I think or feel. Or My hope is based upon the Word of God, upon the faithfulness of God, and upon the character of God because God said, I, I cannot lie and I cannot change. Emmanuel, God is in my situation. God is in my situation circumstance. God is in the middle of what I'm going through. And and it, it, it's I've got it all I've got it all planned out. I got A, B, C, D, and God throws in K. Whoa, whoa, God, we we're not there yet. God said, well, let me start this over for you. You're down that road, you've gone through this, you're, and God said, no, no, I I got a bigger plan for you. Because I've got a promise that's going to be fulfilled not by you, but through you. Because if it's done through you, if I can do it through your life, then I get the glory and you don't. And that's a hard point for all of us to understand. I am not alone. I'm never going to leave you. I am loved by God. Even if my circumstance is screaming at me, God doesn't love you anymore. I'm loved by God. And I'm never without hope when I let God in my situation. Tell your neighbor, he's God with us. He's Emmanuel. I want to pray over us this morning.
0: Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without really knowing the exact path it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. So be sure to subscribe and watch us on Facebook Live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time and also visit us at www.livinghopemd.com.
1: So I'm going away I'm going away